All right, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Time Out Talk. We're your host, Raphael Singer. And Hunter Leon. And not not too much going on this week. It's been a relatively slow week in the NBA, but there is still some big news, uh, specifically around the All-Star game. And I guess that's what we should jump into first, because, Hunter, the NBA All-Star starters were announced. Um, I feel pretty happy. I think I was uh, almost 10 for 10, if not exactly 10 for 10 with these predictions. So I'm going to read off these teams in the, in the West and the East, and I want to get your thoughts, if there's any snubs, and just your overall impressions. So in the West, we got LeBron, Jokic, Zion, and then in the backcourt, Steph and Luka. And then in the East, Giannis, KD, Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, and Kyrie Irving. Yeah, uh, a lot of controversy surrounding, especially the Eastern front court. We've talked about this um, on the pod before. We knew one of four incredible players between KD, uh, Jason Tatum, Giannis, and Joel Embiid was going to be the odd man out and have to come off the bench. And very clearly, the NBA media and the fans decided that that player was Joel Embiid. And I'm sure he's not happy about that. But I wouldn't have been upset with any four of these players being out, except probably Giannis. Giannis is the only player that I see as a solidified there. Like, or sorry, I should say between Tatum and Embiid, I wouldn't have been mad at either of them sitting out because I think KD and Giannis both deserve it. Um, so I'm I, I'm happy with this All Star ballot for the most part. Uh, LeBron, obviously team captain. He, I think he gets team captain based on legacy more so than his play this season. I mean, he's been incredible since he turned 38, especially, don't get me wrong. But, you know, being the 13th seed, um, he, based on, like, you know, if he were 25 years old with the team he has right now, he definitely would not be the captain. You, you know yeah, where I'm coming from. Isn't it based off of votes? Like, he's the total vote-getter. You know? Yeah, yeah, he's the total vote-getter. I understand that. But I'm saying I think there's a few more things that play into that than just simply his stats in his team. And obviously he deserves it. I'm not saying he doesn't. Um, but like if we were going on who in the West really was the like most deserving quote unquote, it would probably be Jokic as the, the captain, in my opinion. Uh, would, would you disagree? Okay. You agree with that? Yeah. That'd and then the, there was, I mean, the most boring team captain though ever team Jokic versus team Giannis, you know, like just would not like be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I want to move on to the Western guards because there has been some controversy surrounding Steph and Luca being picked, mainly with the Steph pick. I think there's a lot of people who feel John Morant deserved this spot. No uh, what do you say to that? No, I think Steph rightly deserves that. I mean, he's been having an incredible season, you know, 36 and six pretty much uh, playing incredibly. Obviously the Warriors have been uh, struggling a little bit, but I wouldn't credit that at all due to Steph Curry. I think Jaw's been very, very good. Obviously, one of the best guards, and he is going to be an All Star this year. But I think that the you know the fans got it right here, and uh, I'm right, I, I, the fans and the media and the the players because it's like a combination of the votes for the, the starters. I agree with you, but to play devil's advocate here, Steph did miss a significant amount of time for this Warriors team, whereas Drummer has been more consistently healthy throughout the year, and health absolutely has to be a factor in this. I mean, Zion Williamson is here. Obviously, he wasn't fully healthy um, this year as well. I mean, Anthony Davis was also playing up to that level of all-star starter, but he was injured. So guys who are injured typically uh, have some less favor when it comes to all-star starting voting. So Yeah, that's fair. And I also think, I mean, Steph, like, 
he it's kind of like LeBron in a sense, like he's always going to be an all-star starter for as I'm pretty sure like as long as he plays just due to legacy a little bit. Um, I mean, you look at like player voting, media voting, fan voting, everyone knows Steph's good. Everyone knows he's amazing. And so they're always going to vote for him. Even if like his play might not necessarily um, translate to that. And I'm not, I'm not saying it doesn't, but I'm just saying like legacy goes a big way in uh, carrying these players sometimes. Uh, For example, like just about LeBron, right? I know this doesn't really mean a lot, because it's a video game, but NBA 2K, they released their ratings, and LeBron is the highest-rated player in the game at a 98 overall, above every other player, Jokic, Giannis, you know, like, Embiid, all these amazing players. Uh, That's kind of just because, like, it's LeBron James, you know what I'm saying? So I think the same kind of principle applies here to the All-Star game. Um, And at the end of the day, it's a a game for spectacle, and players and and fans alike want to see the biggest names uh, duking it out here, the most exciting players. So I'm not, I, I can't be too mad at it. Um, and I, I mean, in this case, I think that they got it right. Yeah. Uh, moving on. I mean, cause I agree with you. Uh-huh. Uh, who do you think we talked about Embiid as the biggest snub and also drummer. Do you think there's any other guys who we, we could be talking about as snubs, at least from the, the starter? I mean, the guy, the only guy I think you could really like contend for maybe is, Maybe a guy like Jalen Brown. He was having a career mm-hmm. season. Um, but I think Kyrie has played so well and he's absolutely been lighting it up night after night, even when KD's been missing time. And so I think that, you know, they, they got it right here. I think Mitchell was a lock uh, in the East. Like, come on. If you put up 71 points and, you know, you're absolutely been balling uh, in Cleveland this year, you deserve to be a starter. Uh, but besides that, I don't think there's really been too many snubs. Like I said, I think that the. NBA got it right here. Um, I will say though that people have been really upset about the like Embiid quote unquote snub, but you gotta realize if it was Embiid instead of Tatum, all the Boston fans and everyone would be like, How how could Tatum not have been picked? You know, he's the best player in the number one seed, and the, they don't have a single all-star starter. Like the, there was it's just like an unfortunate situation. Someone was gonna be upset and someone was gonna get snubbed, and in this case it was Embiid. But, you know, it is. What yeah. it is. Another guy I want to mention uh, is you're going to laugh. DeMontis Sabonis. That's really, though, really this year. Listen, listen, he has been he has the most double doubles in the league. He has been leading the Kings to number three offense in the league. A very clear night and day comparison to when he's on the court. He is their offense. Uh, and when you look at the player voting, DeMontis Sabonis placed fifth in player voting for the Western for the Western um, conference from right. other players. Other players have that respect of him. Really, the only reason that media ranked him at three, the only reason he wasn't a starter was because he didn't have the fan fan vote. He was ninth in in fan voting. Okay. Who would you put? Who would you place him over then? Zion. Okay. Let's compare their seasons because DeMontis Sabonis, 18, 12, and 7. Right, he's been playing. Yes. I, I agree with you. He's been having a very, very good season. Um, and the Kings obviously have been balling, but then Zion 26 7 and 5. And guess where the Pelicans are in the standings? About equivalent, about equivalent, right? So, but my, my thing is, what I'm saying is, I think it, if Zion hadn't missed time, I wouldn't be making an argument here. I think it, it would be, I'm in favor of Zion, the better player. But with missed time, I think that Sabonis deserves it. You make uh, that is a compelling case, but I guess for me, like the whole thing with the All Star game is like, 
at the end of the day, it is just for entertainment and it is about spectacle. And I want to see the most exciting players in here. You don't want to see DeMontis Sabonis. <laughs> I would be so like there is nothing more less exciting than a Jokic Sabonis backcourt or front court. You know, like that is just the most like schoolyard, um, you know, fundamental basketball gonna be played in the all-star game. I'm just I'm not trying to see that to be honest. I want to see those like windmill dunks 360s from zion just that explosiveness that that Mm -hmm. athleticism you may it is you are correct in the sense that like if you're going by like traditional metrics yeah maybe sabonis should have been picked but come on come on yeah to be fair you're right the all-star game is uh for fun and i actually also want to bring up something with joel Embiid. i think you can draw a lot of comparisons between him and kevin durant in like the that 2013 to like 2015 era of like Kevin Durant was always second fiddle to LeBron James. And mm. I think Joel Embiid has always been second fiddle to Nikola Jokic. And I think like Kevin Durant built a brand on that. He built the brand on being like, you know, the the second up to LeBron. I think he can very well build a brand on being like, they're always da- doubting me. They're always thinking I'm not better than this guy when I am. I have a question. What does Embiid have to do to to like kind of place him above Jokic? Because obviously Jokic has been playing incredibly He's an MVP talks, but so is Joel Embiid. Like, will Embiid have to win an MVP? Will he have to win a championship? Will he have to make it to the finals? Like, what is kind of the criteria we'll have to reach before that discussion changes? Because as you said, yeah, it's like pretty definitive right now. Jokic is better than Embiid. I think possibly seeding could play into it a little bit. I think if Joel Embiid were to up his defensive level, I mean, Joel Embiid's definitely a better defender than Jokic, but if we saw him take a step to be a dominant defensive big man, then I think the argument would swing in his favor in the sense that, oh, Jokic is the best offensive player, best offensive center we've ever seen, potentially since Wilt Chamberlain, but he can't play defense. And then it's like, oh, Joel Embiid's the leading NBA scorer, and he can play dominant defense. So... In that case, like you've got to say, he's got to elevate his game even more. It's not about achievement. It's, it's about, like, I don't think it's about achievement. I think, I don't think there's a stigma against Joel Embiid. I think that Jokic established himself first in the market, and so it's going to take more for him to climb above that than it would have taken if he had been the one to initially establish that dominance. That's fair, but I, I do think like achievement would play a factor. You know, if you're if you look at like the Sixers. And if they just go and win a championship led by Joel Embiid, I think that's going to shift the narrative entirely because the biggest criticism you can levy against Jokic is he's really never had like a, a really good playoff run. I mean, yes, he he made it to the Western Conference Finals one time, but besides that, it's just been first or second round exits. Um, and so if Joel Embiid, like say this year, the Sixers pull it together, Harden steps up his game, Maxi's healthy, and they end up winning the chip, like we got to start changing that talk. You know, we got to talk about like, Who's really better here? But I think besides that, as you're saying, like it would have to come by some miraculous improvement in performance, which I just don't think is happening because I think Joel Embiid, like how much better can he really get? Yeah, I th- I think that's that settles it on the All Star talks for the most part. But there's one more thing I want to get into um, because we are having this talk about Joel Embiid not being here, and I do feel I mean Don Mitchell and Kyrie Irving are great players and they deserve to be in this this group of guys but do you think that the nba should move to a positionless all-star game because very clearly joel Embiid should be there over one of those two guys because he is yeah. the better player and how fun would it be if you weak who cares if we have five centers out on the floor if they're the best players who all deserve it you know what i mean 
Yeah, but at the same time, like, it is, like, the All-Star game is, at the end of the day, a game as well. Like, it's meant to replicate the NBA. And so I, I think, in a sense, like, you do need a couple guards out there because if, say, the 10 best players in the league were all centers, well, we're just going to have, like, 10 centers on the floor. <laughs> like, Yeah, what and if... it could be a lot of fun. Maybe, but I, I think... Because what happened in the past was there was a period of time in the NBA where there was just really not great big men. It was a forward and guard heavy league. And you had like, you had to fill that slot. It had to be a center and the NBA just had all right centers who didn't necessarily deserve to be all-stars or, or all-star starters filling that center position. So they took it away and said, okay, you need to have between three forwards slash centers. And we could see another shift because the NBA big man is coming back. That is true, but at the same time, like, look, the All-Star game is always going to be, like, you know, a tight race, and there's always going to be snubs, there's always going to be people who you think deserve make it that don't, and I think, you know, changing the to it to be position, positionless might, like, shift it around a little bit, but there's still going to be snubs at the end of the day, like, there's still going to be players that deserve to make it that can't because there's only a limited number of slots. There is more good players in the NBA, like all-star level players than there are all-star spots. And so I think that would only be like kind of putting a band-aid on, I don't want to even call it an issue. That's just kind of the way it is. You know, there, there's a lot of talent in this league. So okay. I, so this is, sorry, this is just a switch topic really quick. This is not yeah. on the dock or anything, but because of the amount of talent in the league, do you think more expansion teams would help kind of resolve part of that issue? I mean, I'm always a big fan of expansion teams. I think, you know, like the NBA is sort of, it's growing at a rapid pace. And I think seeing it physically expand to different locations would be great in terms of like increasing viewership and increasing engagement across the globe. Like I would love to see like a team in Mexico city or something like that, like something crazy. Um, Tijuana. <laughs> maybe not there, but, <laughs> um, but you know, I'm saying like, I think that that would be cool. Uh, I think it would, they would have to make, like make it known well in advance when they would be doing it. Like if they just kind of dropped it as a surprise, like, Hey, by the way, we're dropping expansion teams. That would be kind of the wrong way to go about it, but I'm always <laughs> in favor of expansion teams. What do you yeah. think? Oh, I'm definitely a fan of expansion teams. I think a league has so much parody right now, not that it would create an imbalance, but I think it would just make it more interesting and divide up the town a little bit. Cause there is so much concentrated talent in the league right now. And especially as more young guys come in, and older guys stay in the league longer at a higher level, I think it just there's a need for more more spots. Right. Like, you know, you got guys like Carmelo Anthony who, you know, could very well be in the league. Like, this is a guy who last season, yes, he had his defensive issues, but he's a guy who could still score like lights out, you know, can get really hot from three and, uh, you know, could find his way into an NBA roster. And there's a ton of guys like that. And so, like, as you're saying, like, there's a lot of like really raw young young players that deserve a spot and older players that can still contribute that just can't because the level of talent is so high that the barrier to entry is just insurmountable. So yeah, no, definitely an interesting discussion for sure. And uh, I guess we'll, we, we got to wait and see, cause I know the NBA has been talking about it. Um, Hunter, I wanted to talk about one more thing about the all-star game. So it was announced that, um, you know, the NBA likes to switch things up with the all-star game. And this year they're doing something new as well. Um, people have proposed about doing a, schoolyard style draft so basically the draft for the all-star game with each of the captains lebron and Giannis, will happen right before the game on all-star on all-star weekend 
and it's just going to happen like right there in person. Um, so what do you think about this? Um, do you like this change? And um, yeah, what do you what do you think? Yeah, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun because there's no planning. There's like you can't talk with your team beforehand. It's just gonna happen. It's gonna be raw, and you're gonna get to see the crowd reactions to these picks, like the NBA players' reactions. Like you know how there was that one time when Kevin Durant and um LeBron were picking, and neither of them wanted James Harden, or it was specifically Kevin Durant who didn't want James Harden. Yeah. And it was just like, could you imagine that happening, but live in front of a crowd and seeing James Harden's reaction to that whole thing? Like, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. So I'm very excited to have like a live reaction to uh, the picks. I have a question, though. Okay, say you're the captain, right? Say you're either LeBron or Giannis. Mm -hmm. Who are you taking with your first pick? Ooh. Everybody on the board. <sighs> Probably Jokic. Jokic? Got to take Jokic first. Two-time MVP. I think I'm taking KD to be honest. If he's or see, actually no, I'm taking Steph. Or Steph. Yeah, All it's hard. Always take like pops off. Steph 16, 16 threes. Yeah, and like you know he puts on a spectacle. He's the guy you want. I think yeah. Jokic doesn't really care about the All Star game. Like, have you that's ever? True. You know what I'm saying? Like Jokic doesn't care about anything in the NBA. <laughs> It just kind of goes there and plays and wins MVPs. Like it just is. It is what it. He okay, does. actually, that, that's a fair point. So maybe I'll take. I'm probably taking K, someone between KD, Steph, and actually Kyrie. Mm, Kyrie would be fun because I think I think it's you're taking not just a guy who's gonna like cross you over, but guys who can get hot in like in an All Star game setting are just gonna not g give a crap. I'm really excited to see Kyrie. It's I feel like it's been a while since we see him in an All Star game though, due to health and yeah, health. it does feel like a while. Yeah. And then, who do you think is going to be the last pick of the starters? Of the starters, I think Donovan Mitchell. I think it might be no. I honestly, yeah, I think it might be Mitchell because I think everyone else there's a very good case for them. Uh, even Jokic, like he's going to go like probably in the middle because two-time MVP. You're going to both of these guys need size in their team, and he's like the only center on the floor. So uh, I think Mitchell, he's easily the worst of the four guards there, um, and so he's he's going to go last for sure. Mm -hmm. Embiid is the is going to be the first guy off the bench. That's for sure. Yeah, that's that's a hundred percent a lock. Except if like say AD is chosen as a uh, as an oh like if Le if LeBron is going to choose AD, that'll definitely be it. Yeah, so that's the only the only way I don't see it happening. Uh, yeah. But speaking of the Lakers, actually, so we finally had a trade happen in the NBA. I know it's pretty amazing. Like I and it just so happened to be our team. I know. So <laughs> we can talk about it. Let's go. But I kind of forgot what a trade even felt like until this happened. You texted me. I thought it was just like going to talk about the Lakers, but then you said a trade happened. I was like, "What a tra a trade!" So it, the, here here are the details of the of the move. So the Wizards shipped out Rui Hachimura to LA, and they got back Kendrick Nunn and two second round picks. It was so, three second round picks. Oh, three second round picks. My yeah, fault. it was two of the Lakers second round picks and a second round pick that was actually a part of the Russell Westbrook trade from Chicago. Okay, that makes sense. So um, technically, if if you want to think about it, in in total of all of the Lakers Wizards trades, the Lakers have received Anthony Davis, Rui Hachimura, and Russell Westbrook for Contavious Caldwell Pope, uh, Montrez Harrell, uh, Kyle Kuzma, um, Kendrick Nunn, two second round picks, and three firsts. Wow. Um. So they've done a lot of deals, every one every year for the past three years. Yeah, pretty wild. Washington and L.A., who could have seen this one? 
But yeah. yeah, so what I mean, what are your thoughts on this trade, Hunter? Like, what have you seen from Rui so far? Because he has played a game or two. Yeah. Um, and, and who do you think won this trade ultimately? So I'll start with this. Uh, the reason I think that the Wizards were so willing to ship up Rui Hachimura is, for one, they have a lot of wing depth. They have Kyle Kuzma. And it seems like Kyle is the direction that they're trying to trend towards. Yeah. They're, they're giving him a lot of touches. They want him to stay as a Wizard. And they just don't have the space to develop Rui in because he wants to be part of the starting lineup. Mm -hmm. uh, supposedly, Rui also requested a trade a few days ago, or a few days before this trade happened. Uh, he he was just not happy in Washington. Uh, so they they were looking to make a deal. And I think they also didn't want to have to pay Rui because he is an expiring contract and he's a restricted free agent. So if he plays well, the Lakers are going to have to pay him uh, a solid amount of money. Mm -hmm. So I think that the, the three second round picks... It was kind of like, okay, well, maybe we'll give ourselves some some room to trade some picks, or we can just develop talent ourselves. And Kendrick Nunn, they, I will say they are lacking a, a, a ball-handling guard on that team. They've always lacked that, so Kendrick Nunn does fit well for them. Um, but I just really think they have wanted to avoid paying Rui Hachimura. I really do think that was why they made this trade more than anything, which is kind of a cop-out on the Wizards' end, I think. But this definitely does help the Lakers a lot, because they had so many guards and just no wing depth. And this gives them a very versatile wing who can is a very big generalist. He kind of does everything all right. And the Lakers needed that. Yeah, no, I agree. I think this move makes sense on both ends. For the Wizards, as you're saying, they have a lot of wings that they would rather build around and they don't want to pay Rui. Obviously, it seems like Kuzma is really the guy they want to go moving forward. Reports coming out of Washington say that he's kind of untouchable in trade talks. Like, they don't want to move him. They want to keep this big three with Porzingis. Beal and Kuzma together. Um, how wise of a move that is, I yeah. don't know. Uh, permanent uh, 10 seed, I guess. <laughs> I'm not really yeah. sure about that. But regardless, you know, they had other young guys that they might want to try to develop more, like Denny Abdia, Corey Kispert, even a guy like Will Barton. They want to give more run. Daniel Gafford. Yeah. So they have a they have a lot in the going on in the front court. And so picking up a guy like Kendrick Nunn, He's going to get some decent play in Washington. I think that, you know, he, he's not going to start. Monte Morris is clearly a better player um, in Washington. And I, I think for the Lakers, as you're saying, yeah, this move makes a ton of sense. Like, he is kind of exactly what the Na Lakers uh, needed. They need a 3 and D wing, you know, a guy who can just do a little bit of everything, play solid defense, uh, and then go back and, you know, shoot the three at an okay clip, um, you know, crash the boards a little bit, and just be just kind of – as you as you call them, like a bit of a generalist. Um, and is that kind of what you saw in in that in his debut against? Yeah, Sanders? absolutely. He hit a a uh, running three pointer. Not like he wasn't running, but he was running into it, got the pass, and just stepped into a three. Which the only other guy on the team who can really hit that shot is Lonnie Walker. So he he can hit the three. He can do the catch and shoot three. He didn't make any catch and shoot shoot threes, but he only took three. Um, he scored a little bit in the mid range. Um, it was actually really interesting in the post game. Anthony Davis was saying that he was just watching Rui, and they were running plays for Rui that they usually run for Anthony. And he said that he was scoring on those plays. He was like, "Okay, if you can, if you, you can run them. Do it. Just keep oh. keep doing it. If you you can make it." So he was getting some mid range shots. He was getting to the ba basket, running out in transition, and playing decent defense. What I did see though. And what I've been told from Wizards fans is he's a really good on-ball defender, but he tends to lose focus on his man 
and is not good on off-ball defense. And we saw that because I don't remember who it was, um, but someone back cut him and got an easy layup at the basket. So I think he's definitely going to need to develop his defensive awareness. But overall, I think the Lakers definitely got a lot out of this trade because, to be honest, Kendrick Nunn wasn't going to get playing time once the Lakers guards came back because they have two guys in Austin Reeves and Lonnie Walker who right now aren't playing because they're injured. So they get a guy who can play real minutes and gives them a lot of size. I agree full fully. Um, although I think between me and you, I might be less, um, you know, big on this trade just purely because I look at Rui's time in, in Washington. And like you said, he doesn't do a lot of things great. And one thing especially he doesn't do great is shoot the three ball. He's always been shooting at a pretty much a subpar uh, clip. I know I said he could shoot it okay, but that's mostly on like catch and shoot kind of threes. Um, and so, I mean, he shot 45% last season on three attempts per game. That's, that's really good. Obviously this season, he's not been shooting like that. He's been shooting, I think 35%, but that's still above league average. Sure, sure. I, I think he's been he's been playing okay this season, and I think last season for me was a bit of an outlier. Like I would agree. I don't think it's unrealistic for him to shoot thirty five percent or forty five percent. Sorry, definitely not. Um, but I think you know, like if in terms of bringing some more physicality to the Lakers front court and just you know fitting that defensive identity that I think Darvin Ham wants to create, I like this move a lot for LA, and I don't think the Wizards really lost too much. And I think you know second round picks they've if if Jokic is anything. He is an example of why second round picks can be very valuable. So uh, I will say one thing uh, about Rui that I think you're forgetting, not just about him as a person, but what he brings to the Lakers in some sense is like the size that the Lakers are missing. So typically without Rui Hachimura on the floor, Lakers are playing three guards. Let's say they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis out there. Typically the center is going to guard Anthony Davis. Their best wing defender is going to guard LeBron and now you have your third wing defender or your second wing defender guarding a small guy like Dennis Schroeder. Yeah. So that creates a big mismatch for the Lakers on offense and defense. And just simply having a guy out there who's 6'8", can't be defended by a guard, this is somebody you have to put a wing on, frees up a lot of room for the guards on the Lakers. I, I agree. I agree. And I think, and I, think I think people are, are – you are forgetting the fact that it's not just about – how he plays himself, but how he impacts that the play that other people can have. And not even necessarily from like a a passing standpoint or just being on the floor, being the size he is on the floor. That matters. Fair enough. And I, I don't underrate his size. I just think, you know, like I, I, I'm just concerned about the shooting. That's all. And I, but I do think I, like I said, his physicality and the fact that he's like a, a real wing makes me optimistic. Uh, I will I, say the for the wizards, I mean, they got a 2020, eight and a 2029 second round pick so they're looking at a 12 year old right now licking their lips like damn okay whoa (laughs) all alone looking at a 12 year old licking their lips no but they're like damn we're gonna have a 12 year old in the second round you know in in six years so i mean I, i really don't think this was a win for the wizards i think it was more of a win for the lakers yeah but i don't think the wizards lost out on that much yeah, it's a bit of like a B, B-minus move for the Wizards. Like, they could probably could have got a better package for a guy like Rui, but, you know, if they want to ship him out quick, like, they got a decent haul in return. Um, Moving on, speaking of trades and stuff, um, uh, there's been a report in Phoenix, because Phoenix has been kind of a disaster this season. We've 
that's kind of been one of the recurring storylines we've talked about. Still missing Devin Booker, and uh, they've just been falling in the standings, man. It's it's pretty sad. They're mm-hmm. at they're at nine right now, exactly five hundred. Um, but you know they they just haven't been the dominant team that we've seen them to be in the past, and so. Phoenix is starting to assess their future without Chris Paul. Obviously, he's getting up there in age. And here are some of the kind of replacements they're looking at as trade targets. And I want to get your opinion on which one do you think would complement this team the best. So Terry Rozier, Emmanuel Quickly, or Fred Van Vliet? Ooh, that's hard to say. So are are we assuming that they're going to try to ship out Chris Paul, or are they just... I'm not sure. I think they're just kind of assessing their future, like in the sense that... You know, they're looking at potential trades, but they're also mm-hmm. looking at, uh, you know, in, in in the future when he's no longer playing with Phoenix. And just, I like, mean, clearly Fred Van Vliet is the best player on this list. Yeah. Um, the, the, the real question is, is Fred Van Vliet worth the amount of money that he's going to be seeking? And I don't think he is. Definitely. I don't think Fred Van Vliet is a max contract player. He has no defense whatsoever. Um. I honestly think that probably Terry Rozier is the best option. I think he's a player who can provide a lot um, to a team at a decent contract, maybe in like the low 20s, high teens kind of range for a contract, especially if he wants to play on a contender instead of a team like Charlotte, who's doing nothing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he's willing to take a little bit more of a pay cut. So I I think Terry Rozier would also fit pretty nicely next to Devin Booker and playing in that with that second unit when Devin Booker is sitting because he can create his own bucket and create for others as well as be kind of a, a little bit more of like a highlight reel kind of player which Phoenix does have but I think maybe they could use a little more flair for their for their audience that's fair I think for me I'm gonna go with Emmanuel quickly here just because I think he's a guy you can get on a budget I think that the Knicks tend to really undervalue their young guys if you know what we're seeing with Cam Reddish and all that um and so I think you could get him at a pretty good price and he's a guy who just kind of plays his role very well. You know, like, he he's not going to pass the ball too much. He's more of a – I mean, all three of these guys are more of, like, score-first uh, guards. So I'm not really sure why all three of these are, you know, the, the their number one option for point guard. But, you know, he's a guy that's, you know, he's got a great floater, got a bit of a good mid-range, and he's still very young, so he's got a lot of time to develop. Um, and I think in terms of, like, building a, a, a team for the future – if you know they want to move on from maybe DeAndre Aiden, then I think Emmanuel quickly would be a, gr- a great piece there. Um, even if he maybe doesn't start and you want to seek a, a better point guard there, maybe one that's more of a facilitator like Chris Paul, uh, like Chris Paul was, not him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do look at all three of these guys, and I don't think of them as ideal fits for the Sun. Yeah, for the no. Suns team, especially being next to Devin Booker, you're not really looking for a score first guard because that's exactly what Devin Booker is. Yeah, I mean. So. Yeah, I feel the way I see it, like all three of these guys could play like a like a campaign role in this team, like leader off the bench, like he's the the flamethrower coming off and just doing all the scoring. Mm-hmm. And you don't necessarily want so much money tied up into that. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, Let's... another team that we can talk about, also not rumored, but they have announced that they are looking to trade their shooters. Is the Brooklyn Nets? They're looking to gain some size. They have Nicholas Claxton, but aside from that, they really don't have anybody else. I believe they have Markeith Morris, but really, if, if you're looking to your second biggest player as Markeith Morris, you definitely are lacking some size. Obviously, yeah, outside yeah. of Kevin Durant. I mean, Simmons, too. Let's not forget. It's Ben Simmons, yes, but um, 
I think they're just looking to get a little bit bigger as a team, lose some shooters because they have so many. And they're looking to either ship out Seth Curry or Joe Harris, depending on what packages they may get. And there have been some rumored talks, quote unquote, about L.A. being a destination, um, either L.A. team, actually, um, as well as I think it was the Knicks and uh, the Hawks were some of those teams that, that were in discussions. And we don't need to go too far into like the the rumor and the, the trade talk rabbit hole. But what are your just thoughts on the Nets trying to gain some size and lose some shooting? I think it makes sense. I think, you know, getting I think what they need is really like a backup big because I think Nick Claxton has been phenomenal this season. I think you he's been one of the most underrated players in the entire league. He's a guy legitimately in defense of the player year defensive player of the year conversations he's been playing incredibly and you can't really overstate his importance to this Nets team as their defensive anchor even more so than ben simmons i would say i think i agree Jackson has really embodied the defensive identity of the brooklyn nets um and but you know you want a guy who can uh come off the bench and, and give some size for the second unit um because you don't really have that right now they sometimes run simmons at center or something or some weird lineups like that and that's really just not ideal you know I was talking with my dad today, and he, yeah. he was trying to say that the Lakers are going to get Seth Curry. And he's like, "We'll trade them Damian Jones. They're looking for size." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "I was I like, they're that. not looking for Damian Jones." <laughs> yeah, they're looking for a legitimate backup. Um, and I, I mean, they're they're gonna have to look around, but obviously, I think that the the Nets would want to hold on to uh, Seth Curry over Joe Harris. Uh, I think he's m- very clearly the better player. Not only is he, in my opinion, a better shooter, but he's a more versatile player. He has a he has a mid range. He has a pull up game, and he's on a better contract by a lot. Rim, and he has a better contract. And so I think Seth Curry is really the guy that the Nets are going to want to hold on to. Um, and Joe, you know, you package Joe Harris with one of your like you know vets on the team that doesn't really get a lot of run, like like Patty Mills, um, or even like Keith. You know, like Keith doesn't really get too much run on this team. Um, and so, like, you, you can package that, maybe some picks or something like that, and you could get a good backup big. And then I think the Nets are in actually very good shape uh, coming, you know, if they were to go into, into the playoffs right now. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you for the most part. Uh, I think Joe Harris is the right guy to ship out. I, I think he's making, what, is almost $20 million a year? Yeah, I think. Like yeah, I think he's making $20 million a year. So the thing is, Finding a trading partner for that much capital is going to be kind of hard because you're going to need a team who has uh, a big man making around that much money who's a backup, or you're going to have to take on some bad salary. And that's why I think they're also shipping around Seth Curry because Seth Curry is on a one-year, $9 million deal, so it's going to be a little easier to shop that around as opposed to a guy who's making $20 million for the next like, three or four years. Um, I believe Joe Paris is on a contract similar to Duncan Robinson. So they kind of both put themselves in a little bit of a hole with that. Um, but I, I definitely think Joe Harris is the better player to trade. I think finding a, a trade for him is a lot harder, though. Yeah, I mean, don't be surprised, though, if... I mean, a guy I would like to see on this team that I think would be incredible. Um, or honestly, I don't even know if the Nets specifically, but just a guy I want to see, you know, play meaningful basketball is Jakob Pertl for San Antonio. Mm, yes. He's a guy, you know, he does a little bit of everything. He's a very fundamentally sound player um great rebounder um you know can just do a bit of everything you want as a big man and and is actually very good defensively too and so i think on this team he would complement nick claxton so well because he kind of plays a different style to nick claxton he's less of like 
He has less of the athleticism and is more of a finesse player. But, you know, he could do wonders with that second unit, especially surrounded by shooters. Um, yeah, I was thinking of a, a similar player, not similar to Jakob Pertl per se, but I was thinking like Mason Plumley might be another mm-hmm. guy. Yeah, because you know the, like, the Hornets are going to be selling. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mason Plumley, like he's a guy who's always just going to be a reliable backup. And he's he's very athletic. So he he more falls in line similar to Nicholas Claxton, but I think Jakob Pertl is also another guy would be great and he can hit the three ball if he really needs to he can be out there yeah and and so honestly i i think that the nets have a lot of flexibility here so i i'm, I'm excited to uh, see what ends up happening as we get closer to the deadline let me actually look up when the deadline is i don't know off the um the top of my head oh it's it's february 9th so it's coming up it's in a couple weeks um and we're obviously going to see the trade market heat up a bit um so the last thing i want to talk about it's just like this uh, thing that's been going on this week, the NBA rivalry week, which has been like a like eleven marquee matchups between historic rivals. Um, I put that in air quotes because some of these are not really like historic rivalries. Like I think one of them they considered was like Grizzlies versus um, Minnesota because they met in the playoffs last year. Yeah. Not really to the same caliber as like Boston, LA, but you know it is what it is. Not everyone is as storied as the Lakers or the Celtics. But I, I just wanted to go over some of these matchups that have already happened or, or are going to happen. And just your thoughts on them, if you know if they did happen, like what you thought of those games. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. So let's start with the, the Knicks versus the Nets. Yeah, that's actually a game that's going to happen tonight. That should be a fun one. Unfortunately, obviously, Kevin Durant won't be playing. He hasn't been playing. But surprisingly, the Knicks are only two wins back from the Nets. I mean, this is it's pretty tight race at the top of the East. Mm-hmm. And Julius Randle has been playing great this year. Yep. It's going to be hard. This is a good game, especially when you're taking Kevin Durant out of the equation. Clearly, if Kevin Durant were playing, I'd say this is a no-brainer. The Nets are going to win the game. But it's tough to say without, without Kevin Durant, I'm going to take... I'm going to take the Knicks in this one. Yeah, I'm thinking the Knicks, too. I think that I was really impressed by their win against the Celtics, mm-hmm. um, you know, a couple nights ago. Uh, that was a, a game that they really just showed a lot of grit and a lot of temerity to really pull that one through. It went to overtime, but they didn't capitulate. They didn't, you know, crumble under the pressure. They still managed to to pull that one out despite, you know, really having some shaky moments. And so I think this Knicks team, they're really starting to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Like Julius mm-hmm. Randle starting to figure it out. RJ Barrett, he hit a huge three um, in that at the end of that Celtics game in overtime. And to see him make a, a shot that big when he was struggling so early, to, like so much early on in the season, is a great sign to see. And then, uh, you know, obviously Brunson has been very, very solid for them. So I'm excited to see that Brunson Kyrie matchup. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that I expect Kyrie to have a phenomenal game. He's been going on a tear as of late. So expect 30, 35 points from Kyrie, something like that. Um, I'm, I'm calling it now. Kyrie's going to have 45. 45. You heard it here. 45 for Kyrie. Hey, whoever, if you're a betting man, put the over on Kyrie. It's a lock. You heard it here first on Time I'll Talk. Um, uh, we got another game happened. This was earlier this week. Not much to talk about with it, but Lakers Clippers. The Lakers lost this one by quite a bit. Uh, this was right after the Rui Hachimura trade. Uh, they did not have Kendrick Nunn anymore. Anthony Davis was not playing. Lakers had the, I think, four guys out. Clippers fully healthy. 
regardless, uh, very convincing Clippers win. Uh, I know you didn't get to catch this game, but any thoughts? I mean, yeah, like the Lakers were pretty shorthanded in this one. I guess a pretty fully healthy um, Clippers team. I, I just want to get your quick opinions on how you felt Kawhi Leonard play that game. Uh, the whole team played pretty well. I mean, when they shot like 60 something percent from the field and like 55 percent from three, when the team's shooting 55 percent from three, there's pretty like little you can do about winning a game, no matter what team you are. Uh, so I really do think that I wouldn't not like a quote unquote flute game or anything, but the Clippers just shot insanely well. And after the game, the Lakers talked about how they felt that they had held them to contested shots, hard shots, and they just hit them and they'll, they'll live with that. So I, I don't think this game tells too much about uh, the Lakers or the Clippers season, but Kawhi Leonard is definitely shaping, coming back to form. Yeah. That's uh, we've seen well. him start to play more minutes and Kawhi has been putting on some real 30 pieces some shows. Um, I'm not going to say he's fully himself yet, but if he keeps ramping up in the way he's ramping up right now, it's taking him a long time. But if he does, I think this Clippers team can come right back up to the top. Yeah, I I agree with you there. And I mean, you just like, even just looking at the box score, it's it's pretty indicative that Kawhi's really getting back into his old self. Like he's he's putting up efficient, uh, efficient stat lines and then putting up like, you know, 33 points, 30 points, 36, like, very Kawhi-esque numbers, and uh, mm. that, that's that's really what I, I – that was my takeaway from the, the Clippers game. Um, so, moving on, uh, the second-to-last matchup I want to talk about is the 76ers versus the Nuggets, Embiid versus, uh, versus Jokic. Yeah, that happens again tonight. Uh, we talked about them earlier. I think this is going to be – ooh, this is hard. I think this is going to be – wait, is are the Sixers fully healthy in this game? Do you know? Um, I'm not sure actually. Let's let's take a look. I th- I think they might be missing somebody. Um, okay. oh, Embiid is questionable, but I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he's gonna play. Okay, I will say that I think the Nuggets will take this one, but I think Embiid's gonna come with some fire if he does play, just because the whole All Star game just happened. The the everybody keeps talking about him and Jokic, him and Jokic, and he just wants to shut everyone up. I think he's gonna have a wonderful game. But I just think the Nuggets play such good winning basketball and just play for the regular season and play to just to win. That's simply they play the win. They don't really have any selfish players. Um, and I, I'll take that every time. Yeah, I just think what's it called? I just think that, you know, this one's in Philly. I think obviously Embiid's going to come into this game with a chip on his shoulder. I think the whole Sixers team is going to show out. And I think. I think this one is going to be a pretty convincing Sixers win, ten plus maybe. Um, oh wow! Yeah, but, uh, I, I'm. I think if it's going to be Nuggets win, I think it's close, but I'm I'm calling Nuggets by like five. All right, definitely. We'll we'll have to see who who which of us ends up being right. Uh, but the last one, obviously, the biggest matchup of the weekend: Lakers Celtics, eight thirty tonight in Boston. Yeah, Anthony Davis back. Ruby Hachimura on the team now. Mm-hmm. You know. I am very biased in this game. My prediction, overtime. We're going in overtime in this one. Ooh. We're, we're going overtime in this one. And it's going to be LeBron down by two. <laughs> step back three, brick. 
<laughs> Yo, you know it's crazy. That's probably what's actually gonna happen. Like, I, I'm calling it. I'm calling Celtics by two on a Lebrick. On a Lebrick. Honestly, you that is a pretty decent prediction. I think that. Honestly, I think AD is gonna play great. I think he's gonna have. That. I agree. It, honestly, look. Here's a parlay. If you're listening and you want to make free money, check me out. All right, Kyrie over and Bead over, AD over, and then Jalen Brown under. Because I don't know if you saw the end of that um that Celtics Knicks game. Jalen Brown missed two free throws in overtime to lose them the game. It was I, oh wow, it was, it was really tough. I didn't get to see that. And you know Jalen Brown, he's been struggling as of late. So I would take the under there. But I'm actually gonna say the Lakers win this one. Maybe I'm biased. Five five point win. Uh, you know, great win. We're gonna be talking about this as one of like the better wins of the season for the Lakers. Um, and yeah, I'm expecting big performances across the board. I'm excited for this one, man. Like anytime the Lakers Celtics play, especially in the LeBron era, it's always an electric game. And there's so much history here. I just am really yep. excited for this one. That's why I wanted to get overtime, baby. I want this to be a real, real nice overtime win. Yeah, that would be fantastic. But I think it's going to be a LeBrick. I really do think it, the LeBrick is coming. The LeBrick, you know, dread from it, run from it. The LeBrick still arrives. <sighs> yep. On that note, um, yeah, it was a pretty short episode this week. Not too much happened, but, you know, still a great episode nonetheless. So thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you all next week um, with more NBA news and action. So uh, take care, and we'll see you all then. Bye-bye. Peace.